Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cigars and Syndication, where we're passionate about cigars and real estate. I'm Robbie Rogers. I'm here with Jay Noir. And uh, today we're going to smoke a wonderful cigar and, and talk about whether is it becoming a privilege to buy a home. Hey, everyone. Welcome. I'm Junaid Noor. Uh, welcome to Cigars and Syndications. And, you know, it's been a long week and I'm just kind of very relaxed. So if I don't, if I just stop speaking somewhere along the line and just kind of do this, don't hold it against me. It's almost Friday. You can make it. Yes, it is Friday Eve. So, yes, we'll do it. But anyway, we are smoking this Byron Reserva 5 Anos. Uh, Byron is a very boutique brand of cigars. Not a lot of people know about it. Uh, this one is a particular special, uh, it's a special, uh, blend. Uh, and, uh, as soon as I lit it up, I got spice. What did you get? Yeah, I got, I got some really good spices. Um, uh, really flavorful, uh, good full smoke. Um, and, and I'd like to thank you for bringing this Byron. These are, these are really a boutique cigar and not, not readily available everywhere. This is a, this is a treat. Thank you. Now, I've had this cigar in my humidor for about maybe four years, um, and I'm smoking it. But the first time I smoked it, uh, as soon as I lit it, I got this really nice blueberry flavor. Um, but I'm not getting at that this time around, and I'm wondering if it's just because of its aging. Yeah, I'm not, I've not gotten that yet, um, but, uh, but hopefully it'll, uh, it'll pop up soon. So, you know, is it a privilege to buy a house in the United States? Uh, you know, since World War II, uh, the government has set up agencies to focus on, um, uh, to help Americans buy the home, buy a home for themselves to live in, right? That's like the American dream, right? Buy your own and own your own house. And to that extent, um, Right after World War II, when the baby boomers started uh, expanding out into the suburbs, the, uh, the uh, Eisenhower, uh, uh, President Eisenhower started putting in the uh, interstate system, uh, which allowed us to move out of the center of the cities into the suburbs. It's always been a, a, a goal of every American to buy and own their own home. Um, you know, as, as immigrants... My parents didn't buy their first home until 1991. I was 21 years old. I was already almost done with college, and and uh, that's when they they were able to afford enough down payment to be able to buy their first home. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the higher interest rates, uh, the the game is definitely changing uh, the face of home ownership. I think that um, it is increasingly becoming more of a privilege to own a home. Uh, there's there's some some things happening in the market. There's the the BTR concepts coming along. I think that is a result of of higher interest rates. You know that's impacting what people can afford. And it's also a matter of uh, and and we've discussed this in previous podcasts. Um, a matter of a shortage of of home supply. Uh, developers are not building homes fast enough. A lot of it has to do with what happened back in. You know, 2008, 2006, uh, if you go back to one of our podcasts, uh, we talk about the, the, the history of why we are where we are uh, as, uh, uh, in, in a short housing supply market. Uh, but I know that in Texas, what, 
500,000 people a year are moving in? Yeah, they had a, they had a, a lot of new incoming uh, people moving to Texas. And, you know, these people aren't selling houses and buying houses in Texas. They're selling a house somewhere else, coming to Texas, buying a house, which really hurts the, the supply and demand. Right. And so what it is, is that, you know, someone like myself, I, I used to live in Chicago or someone in California or someone in New York, and they're selling a $900,000 house and they're coming in and they're paying full price for the houses in Texas because what do they care? They're going to just, you know, they're going to buy a house for $350,000, almost, you know, a third of the cost of what they sold their house for in a Chicago or a California. So that's one other aspect to why we have a housing shortage. The developers are not building fast enough. Existing homes are going off the market very quickly because of out-of-state buyers. And then investors. There's a lot of money out there where investors are buying houses and putting them up for rent or putting them up as Airbnb. You know, the BTR concept you talked about. Well, the BTR concept is generally, you know, 100 houses in one subdivision, they're all rental. But BTR is also when it first started off, when uh, some of the uh, asset management companies like the Brookfield Asset Managements were buying BTR, they would buy a portfolio of 100 houses from an investor and those houses would be spread out everywhere. And they would buy that because the returns were good and they, you know, they set up their infrastructure to be able to maintain and you know, to lease those houses out. But they didn't care what price they paid as long as they got a sufficient enough return for their investors. Right, <clears throat> right. And I think you know, that's probably how it started or that is how it started. They, they were buying these houses in these neighborhoods um, and and leasing them out, and you know some of the homeowners associations, some of the developers, they keyed in on that, and maybe even changed the the rules and regulations for the subdivisions that somebody or an entity could only own one house or two houses in a subdivision to prevent you know some of these groups from coming in and buying eight or ten houses on a street and all be rentals. Yeah, and and, and a lot of it did start off back in uh, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I know a buddy of mine. Um, was getting houses at deep, deep discounts. And he basically went all in. He actually told me that the, the only money I had in my account was just enough to buy groceries because I went all in and bought all these houses uh, at deep discounts. And now, you know, he's sitting on a multi-million dollar portfolio of houses that he picked up for, you know, very, very cheap, 40, you know, 40% off, 30% off. And now, you know, all the prices have gone more than doubled. So he's sitting on a big portfolio now. But a lot of these investors did that. An interesting statistic that I, the reason we, we started off in this, uh, on this podcast, uh, an interesting statistic was that uh, I was reading this, that the average price, uh, the average cost of, of purchasing a house in the United States. So you're talking about average. You're not talking about, you know, places like Houston where it's a little bit cheaper or California where it's a little bit more expensive. $2,700 a month. Now, that means that $2,700 a month, uh, you know, if your housing ratio is 23 to 25%, that means you need to make anywhere between $129,000 to $149,000 a year in order to be able to afford a house in the United States. Yeah, an average house. An average house. Yeah, that's, that's, that's drastically different than it was five years ago. And I think there's been a change also 
you were just telling me about this. There's been a change in um, what age people are buying their first house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like uh, pre-COVID, um, well, I think if we went back to 2009, <clears throat> the average uh, first-time buyer was 31. Uh, and just last year in 2022, it was 36. I was 30 years old when I purchased my first house. How old were you when you bought your first house? I was 23. Wow, you were way ahead of me. Yeah, I was 30 when I purchased my first house. But again, you know, immigrant parents, my parents, I was 21 when my parents purchased their first house. So, and my parents were much older. Um, And then, you know, uh, when I turned 30, I purchased my first house. Um, But that age seems to be increasing. And one of the reasons is because the millennials, uh, that group, that generation just got hammered. They bought their houses in, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007 at very high values. And then everything went upside down in 2008. And so since most Americans net worth, the majority of their net worth is tied up in the house they live in. Well, they, they, they lost a lot of net worth just because of 2008. Well, I'm, I'm really enjoying this Byron. It's a really good, um, quality, um, cigar. You can really tell that this thing is finely crafted. Uh, the burn is, is really great. The ash is amazing. A draw is amazing. Uh, the, the peppery and spice is kind of, uh, winding down a little bit. I'm getting just some nice, uh, nice, almost a little bit of sweet moving in there. Uh, just a really, really good smoke. Yeah. And that, that, that sweet might be blueberry. I'm still not picking it up, uh, as I did the first time I smoked the cigar, uh, but I am the the spice is winding down. I'm getting some some nut, uh, a little bit of coffee, um, and the pepper is 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 really winding down. It's it's a very good smoke. It's smoking very well actually, after uh, three years in my humidor or four years in my humidor. But yeah, it's it's a good smoke. But you had, you had mentioned earlier that um, you know the average uh, mortgage was twenty seven hundred. Uh, dollars a month and you know you needed an average household income of about one hundred and twenty nine hundred and thirty thousand dollars when the the national average for household income is seventy thousand um, dollars you know that leads back to the question is it a privilege is home ownership a privilege and you know how do you go about saving the money for the down payment how do you how do you afford these homes yeah and and you know that's what it's coming down to that it is becoming a privilege because if you're only making $70,000 in a household and a house on average is $129,000. Uh, you need to make about $129,000. Then you can't afford a home and you certainly can't afford a home in some of the high, um, high end areas like, um, San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, even Chicago, New York. Um, and that might be one of the reasons people are moving out, uh, into Texas, uh, and, you know, Houston's no better. Houston, you know, over the last 50 years, you can count on Houston property values for a steady 3% increase. Even in 2008, the average in Houston did not drop. So because it doesn't increase that fast, it doesn't drop that fast. But, you know, these last three three years, the average property increase has, the average property value nationwide has gone up 86%. 
I mean, Houston has been, what, at least 50% increases, if not more, in certain areas. Yeah, no, it's had some some big jumps. Um, definitely not historical uh, situation here in Houston over the last five years. Uh, I know that um, in several instances, I know certain areas are up 40 50% in, in three or four years. Right. So and, Houston- and now it's pretty flat but still not declining. Yeah, it's not declining. And, you know, 3% increases were, were good because they were steady and they were, they were easily, um, uh, they were easily easy to calculate that, you know, you can depend, they were dependable, right? 3% increase. Um, but, uh, now Houston's gone up rapidly. Um, maybe, you know, some of the outer, uh, uh, towns outside of Houston, like, Huntsville or a little bit further up, uh, further than Huntsville, uh, those would be, I would think, a little bit more affordable. Yeah, the further you get away from from Houston, you know, obviously the the property values go down, and you've got some hotspots like Huntsville and College Station and Hockley and Manville. Uh, those types of uh, uh, secondary markets are, are are actually doing quite well in this area. So on the flip side of it, a lot of people choose to rent because they just can't afford to buy a house right now. But even rental uh, prices over the last three years, in the same time frame, house values have gone up about 86%. Rental prices have gone up about 25%, with the average rental being about $1,850. Well, I think in the the multifamily arena, you've got some leaders in that market and, and they're recognizing what's happening and they're recognizing the difficulty and, 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 the hardships in becoming a first-time homeowner. And I think they're showing that with the amenities and things that they offer in their, in their facilities with, with fitness centers, yoga rooms, conference rooms, business centers, outdoor areas, dog washes. I think that the leaders in that industry are really trying to capitalize, but also offer amenities that you would have with a home. Right. But at the end of the day, remember if we go back and say, most Americans, I would say 90% of Americans, their net worth, majority of their net worth is tied into their home. Well, if you don't have that home, you never got the opportunity to buy that home, then your net worth is, is not going to increase quite as much as it did in the previous generations. And I think that's one of the reasons that millennials uh, are the first generation uh, whose net worth is less than the generation previous to them. Well, and I think, I think honestly, as, as the Federal Reserve looks at our situation and, you know, that seems like they're faced with maybe one more increase and, and, you know, again, impacting, you know, what you can buy a home for, it'll be very interesting to see, do the home values continue to stay steady? Do they start to fall a little bit? Um, you know, cause right now the, the, the market still is in all of these new homes are and, and homes that are available are in high demand. The prices seem to be holding pretty steady. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out and, and where it ends. Where, where, where does this thing uh, put us, you know, two years from now? So the other factor of, of uh, supply shortage is that a lot of people are tied into uh, – I think the, the statistic that I read was 60% of homeowners are are tied into a 30-year fixed mortgage under 4%. So until that 
that interest rate starts going down, you don't have the sellers. Sellers are not going to sell. I wouldn't sell a home and uh, get out of a 4% mortgage to get into an 8% mortgage. Right, because the, the increase in quality of life is not there. Right. Speaking of which, very interesting uh, story. I was, ha- I was talking to my mother, um, and we rented houses. We rented apartments all my life. Like I said, when I was 21 is when they first bought their, their, the home, uh, their permanent home to live in, which they still live in. My parents still live in, in it right now in Chicago. But I was talking to my mother, and I was like, what were the rents like? And you were talking about back in even 1980. You will not guess how much we paid in rent in 1980. I have no idea. 100 bucks a month. Oh my gosh. That's even, that's way less than I would have thought. She said, you know, it was there the times were, you know, and everybody talks about that, right? Times were so much simpler, costs were so much lower, you know, a gallon of milk was 99 cents, you know, a dozen donuts at Dunkin Donuts was, you know, 99 cents. Um and, uh, you know, she's like, we paid a hundred, you know, it went up a little bit, hundred, 125, 150 bucks a month in rent. Yeah, man, it's really hard to comprehend that to where we are today. And, uh, home buyers right now, uh, especially the younger home buyers are getting into the sticker shock because, you know, honestly, if, if, if you're in your twenties or you're in your, even your thirties, You've never seen interest rates this high. Um, back in the 90s was when, when I was in my 20s. Uh, let's say back in 95, 96 is when the interest rates started dropping. My parents' first home, um, I read the mortgage and the note, and um, they were paying 9.5% interest. And they were, they were happy. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it peaked in the, in the, in the 13 14% range in the mid-80s. Yes, Yes, it did. And, uh, but, you know, people were still buying houses and uh, they would buy much smaller homes. So if you go back and you look at the houses that were built in the 80s, they were tiny. They weren't big because that's what people could afford. But anyway, uh, I just thought that was interesting because uh, uh, the, the buyers, home buyers nowadays, the, especially the first time home buyers, are, you know, looking at this going, oh my God, seven, 7% interest rates. When nine, nine and a half, ten was the normal. Yeah, no, this is definitely something they haven't seen, and and you know, quite honestly, it it I haven't seen it in a while, and and it's it's uncomfortable. It's uh, it's against my nature to be like, oh, seven percent, okay, that's great. Yeah. So at the end of the day, what do you think is 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 home buying or home purchasing going to become a privilege in the United States? I do think so. I think it's definitely a privilege and, and um, something that I think you should focus on and, and try to get in a position to where you could capitalize on it. But it's it's absolutely a privilege. But, you know, what is going to change this and actually what is changing this right now is the ability to work remotely. And, uh, you know, during COVID, a lot of these little towns in Idaho and in Montana and Wyoming started getting a big influx of people because they could get a well-priced home with, you know, a lot of nature away from the city, beautiful view, but they're still maybe making the salary that they were making when living in California and they can easily afford 
uh, living in a remote area, smaller town, and get that small town feeling, but still uh, get paid what they were getting paid in, in, in California. Uh, I think remote uh, remote offices, uh, you know, work from home, all that has made a huge impact on secondary markets and, and just where people can live. It will be interesting to see how long that lasts because um, uh, an article I read this week, basically Zoom, which is the, re, you know, the, 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 the company that made its mark during COVID, Zoom is requiring all their employees to come back to the office two days a week. We'll see how that goes for them. <laughs> yeah, we will. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, in England and Europe, home ownership is a privilege. It's, it's very expensive. The average person can't afford it. Uh, and I think the United States is starting to head that way. And, and I, don't, I don't see any clarity over the next five to 10 years that is going to reduce that. Even if the interest rates come down, um, builders are not just not building fast enough. Well, you know, I do, uh, I do really think that home ownership is something you should strive for. And it is, it's a shame that the interest rates are, are impeding that a little bit right now, but be patient. And, and when it's time, you know, don't be afraid to, to jump into home ownership. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you can get your hands on one of these Byron's. It's a fantastic cigar. Uh, check us out on albanyparkcapital.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, feel free to leave some comments. Hit the resources tab on albanyparkcapital.com. We have a lot of uh, articles, a lot of information. It's all free for everybody to read. And, you know, leave us some comments. We'd love to know what you're thinking. Grab a good smoke and we'll see you next time.